I was sitting with a friend of mine, and she said to me, um, a person who's a very well-known teacher in the Jewish world, and somebody who's very spiritually evolved, a very, I think a very exemplary person. And she said to me, we're sitting together, and we were learning, and she said, you know, I have to stop the learning to tell you that you need to know something about me. And I said, what is it? And she said, I thought I was going to get a big revelation, and I did. She said, I'm really, <clears throat> I'm not from this world. So I thought, okay. She said, I've never, ever been at home in this world. From the moment that I was born, this hasn't been my place. I'm here. I'm doing the work. I'm being deployed. I've been incarnated. I'm alive. But I've never felt at home here. It reminded me of St. Augustine. When she said that, I immediately I shared this with her. I said, St. Augustine has a great line. He says, our hearts were made for thee, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they repose in thee. Or in English, <laughs> we've got the metaphysical blues ingrained in us, you know. Being an alien of sorts, a gear. And I couldn't help, when I was reading this, this week's Torah portion, we, we focused in the last couple of weeks on Joseph's naming of his children. Joseph names his children after his sense of alienation in the land of Egypt. His first child is called Minasheh, Ki Nashani Elohim, because God has helped me to forget the suffering. My house, my father's house, I've forgotten my father's house. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, before he becomes our teacher and before he becomes the great prophet who would redeem the Jewish people. In this week's reading, after having slain an Egyptian and having been told upon by his newly discovered brethren, Moses, the jig is up, he's nervous. He leaves the land of his own princehood, the land where he was an Egyptian turned Israelite. And he's on the run. And he lands in the land of Midian, of Midian. And in Midian, he falls in love with a woman named Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro. And they have a child. And Moses names that child Gershom. For I am a Ger, I am an alien, I am a guest. I don't belong in this place. And the Mepharshim, the commentators, the rabbis, are of two opinions on what land he's talking about. The most simple meaning is, I am in exile here in the land of Midian, where I now am married and have my first child. I don't... This is not my home. I didn't grow up here. That's the simple meaning of the text. I'm a ger, I am a ger, I am an alien, a stranger. I don't belong here. But other mefarshim, other commentators, other rabbis say something, I think, much deeper, much more beautiful. They say, no, it's talking about Egypt. That in Egypt I was also. I've been lost since I was born. I was born to a Jewish, to a Hebrew I was raised by an Egyptian. I'm a prince. Now I'm a Jew. Now I'm in Midian. What am I? 
And of course, at the most important moment of, of Moses' election, Moses becomes the great redeemer. When we know in this week's reading, he comes upon an incredible sight. He sees a sne bo'er ba'esh, that he comes to a, a burning bush and the bush is not consumed. And the first question, after hearing God say, you will be chosen, Moses, what does Moses say? Mi anochi. Who am I? And the simple meaning of that is, who am I to go to Pharaoh? But on an existential level, Moses doesn't know who he is. Who am I is, I don't know where I come from and I don't know where I'm going. Mi anochi. Who am I? Where do I belong? Where is my place? Where can I rest? And more deeply, who can I become? Is a question of imagination, a question of the possibilities that aren't yet known to me because I don't know who I am. There was a study that I, I heard a friend of mine quote this study years ago. I think it was a, a year ago. It was featured in the New York Times, and it was a study that was done in Science Journal, where, 19, psych, uh, where psychologists took 19,000 samples. 19,000 people were involved in the study. And the study was essentially bearing out this theory, and it was borne out, that we have an incredible capacity to see who we were from where we are. We can look back at pictures of who we were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, especially, let's say, hairdos and other things, right? And we can draw the line from where we were to where we are. That is an innate capacity that we have. We can figure out, in retrospect, that it was, of course, of course, I was a waiter at Carmine's, and now here I am. <laughs> in a shawl with Christmas trees. It makes sense. It's absolutely clarion. There's no doubt. And the angels. Thank you, Tor. Thank you, the, the sheriff. But what we don't have, everybody, and this is what was amazing about the study, what we don't have is we, it, it is almost impossible for us to imagine that in 20 years from now we won't be exactly as we are right now. How is that possible? You hear that? The human mind is constructed in, in that way. We are hardwired to be able to deduce very clearly that, of course, where I was and where I am. But we can't see where we're going. It's impossible for us to see the future. To see the future us, the future whom we could be. It is impossible for us to imagine anything other than where we are right now. So I am, of course, with two beautiful tyrants uh, and children, as my children. <laughs> and in the heat of, of moments with my kids, I often forget where they're going. They, of course, don't know, have any idea where they're going. And in the heat of these moments, we have a failure of imagination. We cannot, we cannot birth the new us. When we're in our suffering, it is going to last forever. The whole campaign that was started that it doesn't have to be, right? It, it won't always be this bad. What was that campaign? 
it gets better. It gets better. Why was that so important? Because, because we don't have the ability sometimes, often, to realize it will get better. It will get better. So here's Moses at the burning bush. And the first thing that God says to him is, I will send you. And he says, me anochi, who am I? Not only who am I because I'm a gear, I'm an alien, I don't know who I am. But me anochi, I don't know who I could be. I was a prince. Then I became a Jew or a Hebrew on the run. And now I am a shepherd. And God says, no, you are the redeemer. You have been called. You have been deployed. You have greatness in you. And here's my sign to you. God says, here's my sign to you because I will be with you in the future sense. I will birth in you what you cannot birth. I will show you what you cannot see. I will give you a glimpse of of what could be, of the self that is calling you, the future that is yet to become, that you yourself have a paralysis of imagination around. I will be the divine name of possibility, of imagination, of the hairdo that you will have. The God of possibility calls out from Moses' shallow present tense and says, Eh, yeah, you could be. You will yet be. Eh, yeah, the possibilities are endless. Have faith. And something even deeper comes from this burning bush, the second moment. And it connects very deeply with who Moses is. And so bear with me for a moment. I have to read to you something that Mark Nepo wrote that touched me very deeply. He wrote a piece called The Bridge and the Elephant. And he wrote, in the dream, his own dream, I was working hard to finish a bridge to cross some river whose current was strong. It seemed important to get where I was going, though I couldn't put where I was going into words. And just as I finished the arc of the bridge, an elephant appeared in the water. It was stepping in the middle of the stream. When it was squarely beneath my unfinished bridge, it stopped to douse itself with water, and then it stared at me. And all at once, the sheen of the water on its back made me question why I was building a bridge in the first place. It made me question if what I was crossing really needed to be entered. It made me wonder if I were to enter the stream rather than cross it, would I have a different sense of where I was going? If I were to enter the stream instead of crossing it, feels to me like one of God's answers here at the burning bush. Not only don't you know who you are, Moses, but you, Moses, are the one who emerges from the water of the Nile. And you will be the one who will stand in the, in the waters of the Sea of, of Reeds in order to split it. You know in your kishkas, in your bones, in your heart, you know what it is to enter into. You don't know that you know this. It was before you were born, but you have that capacity. You know what it is to enter 
And if you're worried that when you enter into the land of Egypt, you will be devoured, that you won't be up to the fight, that you won't be. Here I am in the midst of a burning bush showing you that you can enter and not be consumed. Here I am in the middle of the burning bush to tell you that I will be with you as you enter into Egypt, into that future that is beckoning you. Not only do you have greatness, but you have my presence with you. I will not leave you. I will not leave you as you enter into the deep suffering of Egypt. I will be with you. I will be with you. And thinking about these teachings about the, the burning bush, because I heard something this week that blew my socks off from my friend and colleague, Rabbi Sharon Brous. She was commenting on the deeper meaning of the mourner's Kaddish that we will recite in a few moments. This was her Kol Nidre sermon this past year, and I invite everyone here to look it up and to weep as you read as I did. She said the deeper meaning of the mourner's Kaddish, that Aramaic formulation that is Yit Kadal Vit Kadash, magnified and glorified be God's name, whether it's God's name or the mourner's name, she said she didn't really understand it until she saw it laid out as if in a, a director's copy, in, a, in theater. So a script. A mourner reads, Yitka Dalri Kadash, and we as a congregation recite, Amen. And she said, it was very obvious that the congregation is interrupting the mourner in the middle of a sentence. The mourners stand up and they say, Yitka Dalri Kadash, great and glorified. And then we say, Amen. Amen. As if she said that we can't wait for them to finish their sentence before we say, We're here for you. We can't wait for them to finish their sentence, their ritualized prayer, before we say, Here we are. We're not going anywhere. We are here with you in the middle of it. We are showing up. And we will keep showing up. Because that's what community does. That's what people do. They don't abandon each other. We don't abandon ourselves. We hear the call of who we could become. And we hear the, the obligation to be present. To say, I will enter into that place which can't be consumed. We hold all of that. That's what it is to be a human being. So I really mean it, Yitzchak. I really mean it. A community is a community is measured by the Amen effect. A community is measured not whether or not you show up only on Friday nights and Saturday mornings, but whether we show up at Shiva Minions, whether we enter into difficult places on the Chesed Committee, walking down the street. The greatest gift that we can give each other is presence and a reminder of the future that we could build together. A future that right now doesn't seem possible, but with love and with presence and with a yeah, I will be with you, can be born miraculously. And even a shepherd, a lowly shepherd in the land of Midian can rise to great heights to hear the cries of his brothers and sisters and redeem them, to remember that he was drawn forth from that place of the water and he forever will remember how to re-enter it. May the source of life bless each and every one of you and bless me too.
that when things knock, we answer. When people are in need, we respond. When we ourselves are in need of our own presence, that we not ignore that call. May we be blessed to see a burning bush, to see that thing which is never, ever reducible, that is never extinguished. May we live it, may we breathe it, and may we share it and let us say, Amen.